0: And I invite you to turn to Mark chapter 4, Mark chapter 4, as we continue our study of the gospel of Mark together. You hear the word of the Lord this morning, beginning in verse 35. On the same day when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was. And other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who can this be? that even the wind and the sea obey him. Beginning with this text of scripture and into chapter 5, we see Jesus Christ facing some very difficult situations. Here he is facing the storm. Next Sunday we will see how he faces a demon-possessed man which no one else was able to tame. But in every situation that Jesus faced, he was in control. He was the conqueror of every enemy. And I hope you will see this morning that if you put your faith in Jesus Christ, he can help you face whatever storms and trials and difficulties that you may face in this life. Now, we know from this text of Scripture that Jesus Christ had been teaching the multitudes, including the disciples, all day long. But you know, it's not enough just to hear the Word of God. We must also believe it. And we also must act upon it. And in this text of Scripture, the disciples were going to have the opportunity to exercise their faith to demonstrate their faith in Jesus Christ. And even though they failed the test, that's not always bad because we can learn from our mistakes. And no doubt the disciples learned from this situation that indeed they can trust Jesus to help them through the difficulties that they would yet face. I don't know who's going through a trial right now in your life. But every trial and every difficulty that you face is a test of your faith. You may have gone through a recent trial and your faith was tested and quite honestly, your faith didn't hold up very well. Your faith was not strong. But I hope after hearing this message this morning that you will develop a stronger faith in the Lord. And if you're not going through a test, if you haven't recently gone through a great trial Just hold on, you'll go through a trial before too long, and I hope that you'll be equipped to go through the storms of life much better having heard this message. I want to share a few lessons that we can draw from this text of scripture. And First of all, we see the Savior seeking rest. I mentioned that he had been teaching all day long. For hours and hours he was teaching in parables and teaching in other ways and probably ministering uh, to people in their time of need. And quite honestly, after not only one day, but probably several days of exhausting uh, teaching and preaching, he was quite tired. He needed some rest. And so notice what he did to try to get some rest. It says there in verse 35 that he told his disciples, let us cross over to the other side. Now here you see a picture of the Sea of Galilee, and you can see the mountains on the western side of the sea, and uh, Jesus wanted to go to the other side. Why? Quite honestly, to get away from the crowds. Uh, The most crowded section of the Sea of Galilee was where Capernaum was on the north and, and western side, and... And uh, Jesus needed a break. He needed to get away from the crowds. It was much more remote, much less populated on the other side. And so Jesus wanted to get some rest. He needed some rest. And he not only would obtain rest when he got to the other side, just got away from the crowds, but also on the journey itself he was able to get some rest. We read in verse 38 that, He was in the stern asleep on the pillow when my kids were young we would uh, put them in their car seat and as we began to travel a little ways you know what would happen they would fall asleep well you can imagine how a gentle boat ride across the Sea of Galilee in the evening was just what Jesus needed to help him get some rest and so finally he was asleep Finally, he could have some rest. Now, folks, there's a lesson we need to draw from that. If Jesus Christ, the Son of God, needed rest, you can be sure that you and I need some rest as well. And, you know, God says in the book of the law, the Ten Commandments, uh, you shall keep the Sabbath day. You'll keep it holy. It was to be a day of rest. And Jesus said the Sabbath was made holy for man, for man's benefit. God knows that we need some rest. And so don't run yourself ragged, constantly uh, working, constantly uh, doing this and doing that. Take some time each week for some rest. Take some time each evening for adequate rest. Jesus got away from uh, the crowds, and there are times when we need to get away uh, from Uh, The the hustle and bustle of everyday life, to to take a weekend trip occasionally, to to go on an occasional vacation. We all need rest. Jesus even teaches us that truth in this text of scripture. And so we see the Savior seeking rest, uh, being an example unto us. But also we see the storm sending danger. Indeed we read and Verse 37, that as they were traveling across the Sea of Galilee that evening, it says, a great windstorm arose and the waves beat into the boat. Now the disciples that were fishermen were very familiar with what would happen from time to time on the Sea of Galilee. I want you to understand the geography of the Sea of Galilee and you'll understand better about these storms. I was surprised to be reminded in my studies that the Sea of Galilee is actually 680 feet below sea level. And so it has a fairly warm climate, and yet it is below, not too far, from Mount Hermon to the north, which is 9,200 feet above sea level. And what happens is sometimes the cool winds come down from the north and meet the warm air uh, at the Sea of Galilee. And you know what happens when cold air and warm air meet? A tremendous storm can erupt. And what makes it worse is that the Sea of Galilee is mostly surrounded by mountains. And so it can create a a tremendous whirlwind inside the Sea of Galilee. And on this particular occasion, there was another terrible squall, another terrible windstorm that arose, and the waves beat against the boat. And the imperfect tense pictures it constantly beating against the boat. And what was especially dangerous is that as the waves beat against the boat it would begin to fill the boat and it indicates in the last of verse 37 it was already filling i don't know if they had buckets and they were trying to empty out the water but it was filling faster than they could empty out the water there was real danger that the boat was going to sink And folks, they were too far from land to swim, especially in a storm. They saw themselves in terrible, terrible danger. Here were these disciples in a terrible storm. And folks, we need to learn some lessons of the storm as we see it in this text of Scripture. You know, you are going to find yourself in some in your life. Sometimes a literal storm. Uh, probably most of us have gone through some terrible storms literally in our lives, but if not figuratively. And yet we see in this text of Scripture some important lessons about the storm, and the first is this, don't automatically conclude that because you're in a storm, you're out of God's will. Now there are times when God allows a storm or sends a storm because you are out of God's will. We know this from the book of Jonah. Jonah disobeyed God. God said, go to Nineveh, preach for me. Jonah said, nah, I'm not doing that. And he, he took a boat to Tarshish as far from the Lord as he could get. And so the Lord sent a storm to discipline his prophet. And so, yes, there are times when A storm means you're out of God's will and God is trying to correct you and bring you back. But that's not always the case. And here's an example of that. Now based on verse 35, wouldn't you say that the disciples were in the middle of God's will in this particular occasion? Jesus said, let's go to the other side. They were obeying Jesus, and yet even though they were obedient to Jesus, they faced a storm in their life. And when you go through a storm in your own life, it doesn't always mean that uh, there's uh, something wrong in your life. Indeed, there are, are other reasons why a child of God will face a storm in their life. Furthermore, as you go through a storm, this text teaches us that we should not assume that God doesn't care. Now what happens in this text of scripture? As they were facing the storm, as they were working hard, as they were facing the possibility of drowning in the storm, they went to Jesus and woke them up and said in verse 38, teacher do you not care that we are perishing? they jumped to the conclusion that because they were facing a terrible storm, Jesus must not care. And when you go through a very great difficulty, oh, how prone we are to say, God, why, you must not care. God, you must not care about me. You love so-and-so, and and you love so-and-so, but the fact that I'm going through that, you must not care about me. That's not true. As we're going to see, Jesus very much cared for them. In fact, Peter, years later, wrote in 1 Peter 5-7 that we are to cast all of our care upon him, for he cares for you. Peter knew from his own experience that God cares. So don't assume in the midst of the storm that God doesn't care about you. And then furthermore, when you're in a storm, just trust that God has a purpose in allowing the storm. Yes, God has his purposes for allowing storms into our lives. You know, one of those purposes is that sometimes we have to be reminded that we need the Lord all the time. We always need the Lord. You know what we do when problems come into our lives lots of times we handle them right I can handle this you know I'm strong enough I can handle this and and we don't even look to the Lord we just try to handle our problems on our own and certainly when things are going well we're so prone to just say oh man I can handle life but then God will allow something into our lives just to remind us that we need him That uh, we're not that strong. That we find real strength when we look to the Lord. And so the Lord allows the storms into our lives to remind us that we need Him every day. And that we're really weak without Him. But God also allows storms into our lives to build character. To strengthen us. The Bible says in James 1 two and three, that we are to count it all joy when we fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. As God takes you through the difficulties of life, he's building patient endurance, strengthening you for the next storm that is surely going to come. And the Bible says in Romans chapter 5, verses 3 and 4, that Tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance builds character into your life, and, 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 and character yields and, and gives the opportunity uh, for hope. You know, as you go through a trial and a difficulty in life, it not only builds character, but it gives hope and opportunity to go to work. You now, when, when is it that you need hope the most? When you're in a difficulty know, You can make it through the difficulty as long as you have hope that it's going to get better. And God is the one who gives us promises of hope. God uses storms to let hope go to work and to be a witness for the Lord. God may not calm the storm immediately, but God has a power to calm your heart as a witness for Him. Oh, listen, when you go through the storm, when you go through the trials and the difficulties of life, always remember that God has a purpose. You may not see it. You may not understand it. But just have faith in God that He has a purpose for the storm that you're going through. And so we see the storm sending danger, the lessons from that storm. But then we see, praise God, the Savior silencing the storm. Well, after they woke Jesus up, it says in verse 39 that he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still. Yes, Jesus does care. Jesus is not about to let his disciples drown in the Sea of Galilee. He has a purpose for their life. He has a mission. God loves them. And so Jesus, at just the right moment, just in time, stood up and began to rebuke the wind and the waves. What did Jesus say? He said, peace. Literally be silent. You see, up to this point, there was a tremendous, fearful windstorm. It was just blowing and perhaps thunder. And, and uh, it, it was an awesome feeling surrounded by the, the, the wind and the waves and the, the terrible sounds of the storm. And Jesus said, be silent. And then he literally said, be muzzled kind of like a dog that's on the attack, that's dangerous, it needs to be muzzled. Even so, the dangerous storm was now being muzzled by the powerful voice of the Son of God. And so Jesus stood up, intervened, rebuked the wind and the waves, and guess what happened? The Bible says, The wind ceased, and there was a great calm. Instantly, suddenly, the wind died down to nothing, and there was a great calm. What a contrast! There was a great storm, and now there's a great calm. Even the waves are gentle, no more than little puppy dogs licking the side of the boat. Folks, that's a miracle also. Not only did the wind cease, but you know when the wind stops, the waves are still going to billow for a while. But I get the impression that even the waves suddenly grew calm. There was a great calm. An eerie calm. And the Bible says that the disciples Verse 41, feared exceedingly and said to one another, who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? They asked the right question after Jesus calmed the storm. Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? They had seen Jesus Heal people. They had seen Jesus cast out demons. But now, perhaps for the first time, they saw Jesus speak. And the wind and the waves suddenly grew calm. Who can this be? There's only one conclusion that we can draw. That Jesus Christ is the Son of God. There's no other conclusion. It's the Son of God who had the power to speak. And worlds came into existence. And when the creation heard the voice of their creator, once again they obeyed his voice and immediately there was a great calm. Yes, Jesus Christ demonstrated that he is the Son of God. And when the disciples realized what was happening, they were in awe because they knew they were in the presence of God. You know, someday we're going to be in His presence. And the first time we're in His presence, we are going to be in awe of the presence of Jesus Christ. And they had that experience. Jesus is the Son of God. Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Yes, there's eyewitness testimony. Uh, All the testimony you need that that indeed Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And being the Son of God, He's great enough to handle whatever problems and trials and difficulties that you may face. But the story does not end with Jesus rebuking the winds and the waves. Because it says in verse 40, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? You see, we also see the Savior instructing His disciples. I believe Jesus knew the storm was coming. And He wanted to teach His disciples a lesson, not only about Himself, but also about the areas of their life where they needed improvement, needed help. Now, by the way, we see Jesus, in my estimation, being rather gentle with his failing disciples. Remember, they came to him, woke him up, and said, Master, do you not care that we perish? Now, that wasn't nice to say. That was not a nice conclusion to jump to, that you don't care. But Jesus didn't say anything in rebuke about that. He knows their weaknesses. And he rather gently corrected their failures. And I want you to know that Jesus deals with you and me the same way. We fail. Sometimes our heart do not believe like they ought to. We, we, we sin, we mess up. And even though Jesus is not pleased with our failures, He sympathizes with us. He understands. He's gentle in trying to correct us. And notice what Jesus did. Notice how He instructed His disciples. First of all, he instructed them concerning their fear. He says, why are you so fearful? Folks, that happens, doesn't it? You go through a really bad storm, and you're fearful. What might happen? You lose a loved one who's very close to you, perhaps who you count on to be there for you, and they're gone. And and immediately fear strikes your heart. You lose your job and fear strikes your heart. You're in a terrible accident and fear strikes your heart. You go to the doctor's office and, and he's about to tell you a diagnosis. And you hear it and fear strikes your heart. Jesus wants us to fear not. Jesus asks, "Why are you so fearful?" Now fear is fine if it drives us to Jesus. But fear is not God's will for our lives. If we have faith like we ought to, we will not have fear. Why why should they not have feared? First of all, they had his promise. Jesus said, let us cross over to the other side. They had an implied promise that we're going to the other side. Why should they be afraid of drowning when Jesus says, we're going to the other side? And folks, when trials and difficulties come into your life, always remember the promise of Jesus I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go, I'm coming again. Where I am, there you may be also. Jesus has promised us that no matter how difficult life gets, even if we die, He's promised us that we will reach the other side. We will reach the shores of heaven. And how many times has God looked after you in the past and has seen you safely through every trial you faced. Oh, listen, hold on to the promises of God. Fear not. Furthermore, they should not fear, for the Lord was with them. Verse 36, they took him along in the boat. Jesus was right there with them. They should not have been afraid as long as Jesus was in the boat. Do you think the Heavenly Father would allow His Son to drown in a boat? No. Jesus was with them. And folks, Jesus has promised to be with you. Lo, I'm with you always, Jesus says. Jesus is with you. Fear not. Jesus is present. Fear not. And thirdly, Jesus was perfectly at peace. Verse 38, the disciples were worried. They were fearful. They were fretting. They were franicky. And there was Jesus asleep like a baby in the back of the boat in the midst of the storm. Why? Because he was tired, yes. But also because he had perfect faith in his heavenly Father's care. And you know when you go through a trial and through a difficulty just remember that Jesus is not up in heaven wringing his hands wondering oh no I don't know if I can handle this one. No, Jesus is perfectly at peace and he wants his children to be at peace to not fear to not worry and by the way as we journey through our storms, you know what will happen lots of times? God will give us somebody that's absolutely calm in the storm. I mean, you're over there worrying and fretting and, and about to fall apart, and, and there's somebody else over there just as calm, trusting God. Let their example be an example for you. Fear not. Don't worry. Jesus wants you to trust him. And that leads to the second thing he dealt with, the second deficiency he dealt with. He he asked him, how is it that you have no faith? You see, fear demonstrated their lack of faith. If they had faith, they would not be fearful. They would not be worrying in the storm. And so the real solution to the fear problem is to have faith. To have faith that God's in control. To have faith that God cares. To have faith that God has the power to, to, to rescue you in the midst of the storm. And actually, some of our Greek texts indicate that Jesus said, do you not yet have faith? I've been with you for 18 months now. You've seen me work miracles. You've seen me uh, cleanse the leper? Cast out demons? Do you still not have faith? After all this time? How long have you been a Christian? Some of you, 40 years. Folks, it's about time to have some real faith and stop being fearful when you go through storms. Listen, we know Jesus better than they did. They were with him 18 months. We have eyewitness testimony of three years of his life, including his resurrection, including his promise to come again. We ought to know Jesus even better. To know him is to trust him. And we need to have faith in our lives as we... Go through the trials and the difficulties of life. You know, the last three years or so, my family has gone through recurring storms. About every six, eight, twelve months, we've gone through a storm. And, you know, in the midst of the storm, as they have reoccurred, I can feel what the disciples felt. In the midst of that storm, oh, how I've questioned, Lord, is, is this storm, to have something to do with me, some failure, some inadequacy in my life? And what a comfort it is to know from this text of Scripture that just because you're going through a storm, it doesn't mean you're out of God's will. And when that storm reoccurred again a couple of months ago, I could feel what the disciples felt as when I realized what was happening, walking to the back of my my yard, behind my shed, and just tears entering my eyes once again and looking up to heaven, feeling like saying, God, do you care? And yet, I know my faith has taught me that God has a purpose in the storm. And that God doesn't always send the storm, but he allows the storm that he might build character. And God has been building strength in me and building patient endurance in me God is accomplishing His work in me and in my family. And we're still waiting for Jesus, once and for all, to silence the storm. But until that day comes, I will trust Him. The devil can attack me all he wants, but he's not going to have the victory as long as I have faith in Jesus. And so, when you go through the storms of life, how precious it is to know that you're in the boat with Jesus. If you look carefully at that picture, it's not the disciples in the boat, but it's just regular people in the boat. By the way, it's a good reason to sit up front. You can see the picture's better. regular people in the boat with Jesus oh you see fear on some of their faces but you know what you know what's great even if we're falling apart like a basket case as long as we're in the boat with Jesus we're okay he's in control make sure you're in the boat Listen, you don't want to go through life without Jesus. Get in the boat with Jesus. Put your faith in Him. Make Him your Savior. And He'll lead you safely to the other side. Eternal life in heaven. He'll lead you through the storms of life. And though they come back, He'll lead you through the next storm, and the next storm, and the next storm. Get in the boat with Jesus. Get in God's church with Jesus. Are you a part of this church? If if you're a believer and you're you're, you're not a part of this church, if God is leading you here we invite you to, to, to get in with God's church here. We want to extend the invitation asking you to trust Jesus as your Savior. If you haven't made that commitment get in with Jesus today. Or if you need to recommit your life to the Lord or need special prayer because you're going through a trial, then you come this morning, or if you need a church home, you come. As we stand in just a moment, but let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that Jesus is the master of every situation, that he calms the storm, that he leads us safely through, that he demonstrates that he is indeed the Son of God. And I pray, Lord, that you would speak to hearts in this invitation time. And I pray and ask this in Jesus' name, amen.